Come on, are we good? Does that just kind of get you feeling just vibey? Like, does that make you want to do a dance move or something? Like, get some just, just feeling in a good place. Are you feeling good tonight? Come on, Anderson, can you help me welcome everyone across the state? We're so excited to be with you. If I haven't met you yet, uh, my name is Josh Bull, and I am just pumped because we're headed into a good time. I don't know about you. Does anyone like summer out there? You need to make some noise. Come on, like if, if you're a college student and you're about to kind of enjoy the summer break and maybe you're going to do an internship or work or whatever, uh, I'm encouraged to have a good time. But if you're like the rest of humanity, you're going to work, well, just come on, man, like we're going to make some money and do what we have to do and pay, have our responsibilities of uh, paying for our rent and our life. Uh, but honestly, man, it's, I'm excited for this chapter of, of life uh, that we find ourselves in. The sun's out. I'm ready to be working uh, just on my tan, get my dad bod out, and just be living the dream, you know? And so, uh, but honestly, I'm really excited to be with you all tonight, uh, as you just saw there. We're going to be getting around this idea of the Sermon on the Mount. And before we get there, I just wanted to kind of put this framework. I don't know about you, but we live in a pretty cool part of the world. Uh, my voice is a little bit different. I'm from Australia, moved to be a part of living in good old South Carolina, but Things are good, like the sun's out, it's feeling, feeling nice out there in, in old South Carolina. But who knows that like we find ourselves in this good place of life, but in life, chaos can still be going on. Right now in Europe, there's a crazy refugee crisis going on. And we just were praying as a team that we wanna, our heart is that we wanna see everyone everywhere have an everyday relationship with Jesus at New Spring. One of the things we wanna do within Rally is activate you to help have a kingdom impact around the world. And so we thought what a cool way as we're kind of coming into the summer vibes is how can we help with a refugee crisis in the world? And Austin Duffy, one of the pastors here at the Anderson campus, got to travel uh, recently to the uh, Polish border at, with Ukraine and got to see and partner with an organization who are helping with the refugee crisis there. And I wanna throw your eyes to the screen really quick to kind of see uh, firsthand what's happening there and then kind of get around an initiative that we wanted to put before you as rally. So can you turn your eyes to the screen? Inside of Ukraine, they have massive food shortages. Internally displaced people have, have left the east of Ukraine and are headed west, and so their population has doubled, but their intake of food, their food line has completely stopped. And uh, so we're trying to get food desperately needed into the country. Um, we have set up a channel for food to be able to come in here. It's processed and it's sent back out. We have trucks coming in, we have trucks going out on a constant basis. In the last uh, two days, we sent uh, more than 35 pallets to Ukraine. And here is our uh, warehouse. And from this warehouse, we put this food to the trucks and trucks going right straight on to, to Ukraine, to uh, Wutsk city. And from the city, Wutsk is distributed to another places where, where they need it. They do not have food whatsoever coming into the country and they need food. Um, so we've worked out with a, a local distributor, a wholesaler. This pallet right here uh, costs 800 US dollars and this provides 1,200 meals at 600 calories each. Um, it was specifically chosen, everything in here, to be the most economical, but also be the most filling for the people. With an $800 donation that purchases 1,200 meals of hand-picked food, broken down if you could give $8, which is what you'd spend at McDonald's, and purchase one meal, that, that same $8 donated to bcapoland.org, 
will enable us to get 12 meals at 600 calories each into the Ukrainians' hands. That's awesome. So the, the working idea that we wanted to put before you is you can get your phones out right now. We're about to put a QR code on the screen right next to me. What I want you to do is scan this QR code. So everyone get your phone out, scan it. It's going to take you right to a link. And our, our challenge to every campus is what if every single campus across the state of South Carolina could pay for a pallet, okay? We it said $800 will get, you, will get you 1,200 meals. And I just think Think of the hundreds of young adults that are a part of a rally across the state of South Carolina, or maybe you and your rally group or you and your friends could get together, and it doesn't necessarily, you have to pay $800 out of your pocket, but $8, $12, $50, whatever it might be, could meet a tangible need, and it's just a great way that the body of Christ can be activated to make a kingdom impact. And our church has already given financially to this, but this is something we wanted to make available to the young adults of South Carolina. Is that cool? Say, talk to me, is that cool? I love it. So practically text some friends, say, hey, let's get, a, get involved. What can we do to help with this? But with this, we are getting around this idea of the Sermon of the Mount, and we want to talk about uh, really the, the, the famous words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If you've got your Bibles, that's gonna, where we're going to be tonight, uh, Matthew chapter 5 specifically. But what I want to do really quickly is kind of set the scene for this conversation tonight. I don't know about your background, wherever you find yourself, across the state of South Carolina, or I just know that there are people moving from all, all over the place. I don't know what your background is when it comes to church, uh, but if, if not, I want to simply put clearly before you that what we're going to read about is really Jesus' most famous teachings. These are, you've, if you've grown up in church or been around a while, I hope you've heard of them before, so I don't have like a kind of clean cut classic message tonight. It's not like here's three points, a cool story and get you out of here and bam, like no, that's not kind of the play tonight because I'm kind of preparing thing. It would kind of be weird for me to be like, here's extra points on top of Jesus' points and like we're just going to get around Jesus' points. Is that cool? So what we're going to do is look at uh, the Beatitudes and if you've been around church for a while, you might have heard of this, but if not, these are Jesus' famous teachings, but specifically to catch you up to speed to set the scene of this conversation and Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, we read of it, say, from the time that Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is, in essence, the teaching of Jesus summarized in a sentence. Jesus was getting on the scene saying, repent, change the way that you think, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what this idea is that Jesus is ushering in a new kind of kingdom, that there are people in the day and age in Jewish and Roman culture that Jesus was the Messiah, but was not coming on the scene that the Jews had expected in the day. They were expecting someone, the Messiah, to come on the scene who was kind of kind of obliterate the Roman culture and say, we are the chosen ones and here to come and save the world. But Jesus changes the script and completely lives in a different way. We read about in Matthew 1 through to 4 is, in essence, Jesus appearing on the scene and calling some people to come and follow him and his ministry would begin. And crowds start to form around him because this man is quite different and people wanna follow him. And Jesus is not saying, hey, would you come and follow me to the elite of society? Jesus is not saying, hey, would you come and follow me for the people who look perfect? 
No, he's coming and saying, would you come and follow me to the people from regular backgrounds like you and me? Jesus is coming and saying, would you come and follow me to a fisherman? And there are these crowds of people who are starting to get a glimpse of Jesus and following him. And these disciples, these people that would be journeying with Jesus, start to do life with Jesus. And what we read about is this idea that the disciples are the followers of Jesus. The disciples would only have Jesus, but in Jesus, they would have everything. And I pray that that would ring true in your heart tonight. I don't know your story. I don't know your background. Maybe you've gone through really harsh things. Maybe terrible circumstances have found your way. But in Jesus, you have everything. He is the one that we need. And that's what these disciples find as they leave their circumstantial things to say, Jesus, in you, I have everything. But these crowds are filled with the marginalized. These crowds are filled with people who society wouldn't necessarily want to associate with. This is not just the elite of the day, and that's good news for you and me. Your circumstance, your background, the things that you've gone through do not determine the way in which Jesus loves you. Jesus came after every single one of us. So Jesus has these disciples who are following with him and these crowds of people who we, know now, who we now know the audience of what they are. But let's get around this conversation of the famous Sermon on the Mount. And this is what it says in Matthew chapter five. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, and this is the setup of this conversation, that Jesus goes with his disciples and he sees the crowds and he goes up to a mountain and he sits down and gives the most famous sermon that we've ever heard. And so tonight, what I wanna simply do is just to kind of give you a framework we're gonna go over in the next little bit. I'm gonna walk through really quickly these first nine Beatitudes and I'll explain what that is and kind of give you a 30,000 foot view. I, we could spend the next nine weeks going into every single one of these Beatitudes, but a helpful framework when, when we're about to read through these, think of like a stained glass window, okay? All of these work together and show a beautiful picture, okay? So when you're thinking about this at the end of my talk tonight, you should have a really clear picture, okay? So before we do, here's the one big takeaway. I'm only gonna give you one point tonight. So if you've got your note, notebook out, here it is. Discipleship to Jesus quite simply means learning to obey Jesus' teaching and follow where he leads, okay? Discipleship to Jesus quite simply means learning to obey Jesus' teaching and follow where he leads. We've been called by Jesus and invited into his way of living. And that's what the Sermon on the Mount is, is, is if we're gonna live in the kingdom, this is the way in which we are to live. And that's what we're about to read about in these next few moments. But before we do, I wanna pray. God, I thank you for rally. It, it doesn't um, miss me, uh, the reality that there are hundreds of young adults across South Carolina gathered together tonight for one purpose. That's to lift your name on high, Jesus. And I pray tonight as I simply 
share your words, would we again fall in love with you, Jesus? And I pray that we would leave different. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Here's uh, really quickly a quick observation for you. Uh, Americans love America, okay? Like everyone's like, what do you mean by that? Well, here's the crazy thing to me when I move to your country, right? I just think, you, I need you to think about this. Your sport uh, claims in a national competition to be world champions, okay? Like, it is mind-blowing to me that the Braves, shout out to the Braves, I'm team Braves, I've got a little baseball hat, I like it, but they're not the world champions, right? And I feel like I'm offending the Americans, but it's like you're the national champions, but you're not the world champions. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's a little bit, that's a great claim to America, and I like it, but you're not really the world champions, you're the American champions, okay? Go Braves. Is there any Braves fans out there? Okay, I offended you off the top, but I'm with you. But it's like, Americans love to just claim, we are the world champions, right? Like, this is not really a world competition, but we are the world champions, okay? Here's another thing that just like kind of is funny to me. Uh, When I moved here, it was like, everyone's like, have you been to Outback? And it's like, no, what what is Outback? It's like, it's this really good Australian food. It's like, okay, let, let me try it. And so these people brought to me like a blooming onion. And, uh, and it was disgusting. And it's not at all Australian food. Like it's this Americanized great job on marketing campaign and, and they've just hit the market to represent quote unquote a whole nation. But Americans love it. Like people are like, Outback's amazing. Has any Outback fans out here? Let's go Outback. I hate it. It's not my people. Like it, it's, it's purely for Americans and I love you Americans. But I think it's just funny, like as an Aussie kind of living in your country, uh, there is this deep pride uh, for America. And if we get a little bit serious for a moment, but there's also a lot of tension in America. There's a lot of, of just frustration and am I on this side or this, this side and I don't like this, but I like this. There's this uh, thoughts around like when I talk to some of the older people or maybe some of you like the constitution, like this is the thing that makes us what we are. And if I were to ask some of you, you would probably be really passionate about the constitution. But if I were to ask you like, hey, what's the first amendment? Maybe some of you could answer that. But if I were to ask you, hey, what's the first beatitude? Could you respond? And I get a little bit serious, but the heart of this tonight is so often we can inform our following of Jesus in the culture that we find ourselves in, but we don't actually look at the word of God and let that shape the way in which we live. And I'm not here tonight to throw shade on America. I love it. Please don't kick me out of this country. I'm all in, like I'm, I'm here. But what I am here to say tonight is first and foremost, we have to recognize that we are followers of Jesus first. And so we look at the teachings of Jesus and let that shape the way in which we live. So with that, as citizens of heaven, followers of Jesus residing in this part of the world that we find ourselves in, we have to then ask the questions, well, what are the Beatitudes? And simply, I would put before you, it's the announcements and the instructions of life in the kingdom. Instructions and announcements of life in the kingdom. I'm not gonna get into the whole Sermon on the Mount and I would strongly encourage you over the course of this summer, saturate in it, marinate in it, look at the words of Jesus, let it shape you and form the way in which you live. But these Beatitudes are kinda like these big statements for kingdom living and the way in which we find ourselves. We read about, in a moment, 
this idea of being blessed. And I think we can put uh, our context on it. What does it mean to be blessed in our world? But simply what that would mean, what we're about to read is just favor with God. That Jesus makes these declarations on this mountain with his followers and he makes these declarations, you are blessed. And he says nine of these things. And it's basically saying you will find favor with God if, fill in the blank. And think, let that be the framework tonight. We're about to look at these big instructions for living an announcement in the kingdom and understanding, hey, we may, might miss the mark on these certain things, but we know Jesus has come to invite us into a way to follow him and grow in this. So the first one is this. Are we ready? Say ready. All right. These are the points. So write them down and I would encourage you Memorize these. These should be deep in your heart as a follower of Jesus. This, this is so important to, the, to follow, following Jesus. Here we go. The first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so here's what I wanna do for these. As we, we're about to put our foot on the accelerator and get through these. Are you ready? What I wanna do is partner the, these Beatitudes with uh, the, the, the writing of Eugene Peterson, who, who was an f- amazing pastor, who wrote the message translation, and he basically wrote a translation of the Bible kind of in layman term, terms for his congregation, and it's gone around the world. And so what I wanna do is kind of read uh, part two of these from the message translation. It might just make it simpler and easy for you to understand. He would write this, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. The poor in spirit are those who recognize they are in need of God's help. That's good news for all of us. That Jesus' first declaration is saying, the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For all of us who who experience loss, tragedy, spiritual bankruptcy, where we feel like we just don't meet the mark, Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven is yours. So you don't need to come tonight and feel like you've got to get yourself right, but Jesus is saying, he's blowing the minds of people and saying, hey, the poor in spirit, the kingdom is theirs. And so you need to know tonight that you might not feel like you've got it all together, but Jesus is saying, hey, the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying that people who are circumstantially poor and socially lack influence, the kingdom is theirs. The kingdom of heaven is not just for the elite of the day. The kingdom of heaven is not for that person with a lot of Instagram followers. The kingdom of heaven is not for someone who kind of walks in the room and everyone looks at them. The kingdom of heaven is for all men and for those who are poor in spirit. The next one is this, that blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You're blessed when you've lost what's most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one who is most dear to you. Jesus is saying these words to people who are hurting. He's saying these words to people who have experienced much tragedy in their day and age. I felt this, I have experiences to be true in my life and I've talked about this in rally, but my mom suddenly passed away a few years ago and like I felt first and forehand God confident, comforting me when I was mourning. And I would say for any single one of you, it may not necessarily be the death of a, loss, of a loved one. You might be grieving a relationship that's broken down. You might be mourning, just looking out on humanity and seeing a refugee crisis and it hurts. And Jesus is saying, you'll be comforted. 
This is the life of the kingdom. If you're going through hardship right now, if you're going through something, when you're just mourning, Jesus is saying, you will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn and feel the grief of this world. As Jesus follows, we must feel totally okay with feeling the pain of humanity. We're not just burying our head in the sand and acting like everything's perfect, kind of putting on our fancy clothes on Easter and it's like, everything's good, man. No, Jesus is saying, if you're mourning and hurting, you will be comforted. This is life in the kingdom. And I wanted to ask the question, who's someone hurting that you know that they just need some love? Would we as followers of Jesus be the kind of people who give comfort and grace and love for others? The third one is this, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that can't be brought. I love that. We live in a day and age that if you look the part, if you act the part, you can kind of climb a corporate ladder. And that's not the way of the kingdom. The way of the kingdom says the meek will inherit the earth. The people who are, have, it's in essence, walking in humility, power under control, not jostling for a position, totally content with who they are in God. And I just believe God wants to pour out just a refreshing, just like drinking a nice glass of water when you're dry and thirsty. That you can walk in meekness. Your, your generation, my generation, keep trying to put on a front trying to live in insecurity, but trying to look so cool. And it's like, bro, just walk in meekness. Don't feel this pressure to try and look a certain part and act a certain way. The people who don't have power understand you're blessed and will inherit the world. Jesus is saying this to people who didn't have much power and influence in their day, but he's saying, hey, the, the, the meek will inherit the earth. So my friends, you can be encouraged today that you don't have to live by the world's standards to have great influence. Kingdom men and kingdom women walk so confidently, confidently in who they are because of who they knows that they are. And I just believe that refreshment is washing over rally tonight, that man, you could leave tonight and say, man, I wanna be a person who's marked by meekness. Are you okay? We're moving quickly. All right, we're good? Breathe, tap your neighbor, say, you good? You good? All right, we're gonna keep moving. All right, the next one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you've ever ate. I love that. Think about a time that you were just really thirsty. This morning at like two o'clock in the morning, I, I heard my son just yelling, Daddy, water, Daddy, water, Daddy, water. And I'm like, bro, shut up. Like, not really, I promise I'm better dad than that. And I'm like kind of wiping my eyes, like trying to give, go get my son's water bottle. And sure enough, it's like completely empty. I don't know what he does while he sleeps, but the boy just keeps drinking. Like he's just throwing down water. 
But he's like on his crib, like desperate for water at two o'clock in the morning. Like, please, daddy, I need some water. And I go and get, it, get him like some water from the bathroom. I bring it back in his cup and he like takes, he's like <laughs> throwing it down. He's like, <sighs> just like falls back in his bed, like just as happy as Larry. And I was just laughing at myself thinking about uh, this message because it's like, would that kind of be our heart posture? Would we hunger and thirst for righteousness? Would that be our marker as kingdom men and kingdom women? Say, man, that's the thing that I long for. I'm hungry for righteousness. This idea of righteousness is right relationship. This idea of do right by someone. You know when it's like, man, Talon, he did right by him. We, we know that kind of phrase in humanity of man, do right by them. Would that be our longing as followers of Jesus? Man, I long for righteousness. God, I look around the world and I realize that it's not the way you created it to be. I see the sin, I see the brokenness, I see the heartache, and I long for righteousness. And then you will be satisfied because Jesus is the ultimate satisfaction in life. You can go chasing after certain things, but would our heart cry be, Jesus, I want your ways. I want to experience the ways of Jesus in my world. And we live in this reality of the kingdom is now, but also coming. That Jesus has brought his kingdom, invited us into kingdom living, and we are bringing the kingdom of heaven right here, right now. Would we desire to see righteousness in the world? The next one is, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. I love that. Would we care for our brothers and sisters? Not just the people that we like, not just the people who kind of have the same ideology as us, not just the people who align with the same political party, the belief on this or that, but would we show mercy for one another? Would we be the kind of people who care for our neighbor? I just wonder, like, what's the thing that you need to show mercy for someone? Is arrogance kind of crept up in your heart and you need to go and ask for forgiveness for something? Is there a broken relationship that you're just kind of longing for, for a reconciliation? Jesus is saying, be merciful and you shall receive mercy. This is the way of the kingdom. I just believe in a generation that we find ourselves in that you can align with, I just, you can feel just tension in the air. Do you, would you agree with me? There's just tension. And it's like, I've never had a hard conversation with someone who maybe completely disagrees with me, thinks I suck, and just like, I'm a loser. But then I come to a table with them, maybe eat a little food with them, and I just let love drive the conversation. We don't just always have to divide over certain things. We don't just have to run, but say, man, New Spring does this, I hate it, I'm off to the church down the road. That people over there, I don't wanna be with them. That's not kingdom. We as a church wanna have a kingdom mentality. So that's why we wanna bless those around us and show mercy and kindness to those around us. Next one is blessed are the pure in heart, for 
they shall see God. God's been <clears throat> challenging me on this a lot recently. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. The way I kind of think through this is the pure in heart shall see God. God's proximity doesn't change on the purity of heart. If I close my eyes, my Bible is still here. But if I open my eyes, my Bible is still here. A purity of heart helps us see God clearer. And some of you are walking in shame and some of you feel like you suffer with kind of a sin or something like that and you just feel like God's so far removed. No, he's not. He's right there with you. He's just trying to open your eyes. And I just pray tonight that you would feel just the love of God chasing after you that we will be marked as a generation who want to live in the ways of Jesus to see God clearer in the world. We don't care for prestige. We care to see God in our world. We don't care for status. We don't care to make ourselves look good. We care to see God in our world. What would it look like in your city that you find yourself in to beg for God to move? You might find yourself for the summer going home to the place that you don't really want to go to. God's put you there on assignment. Beg God to move in the place that you find yourselves in when we see God at work in our world. The next one is, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. I love that. I want to be the kind of person who proactively makes peace. This is not being a peacekeeper. This is being a peacemaker. So if there are things in your world that you don't see peace, go make some peace. If there is a, a relational issue in your family, go make some peace. Don't run. Don't just try and keep everything happy like, oh, it's all good. No, no, no. A peacemaker proactively goes after bringing reconciliation to relationships. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, the peacemakers will be called sons of God. So I just wonder tonight, who do you need to seek peace with? What are the things that maybe you've just kind of been, quote, unquote, keeping the peace, but that's not actually making peace? What is it? Is there a text message that you need to send? Is there a phone call that you need to make? Is there someone that you need to invite over to your house this summer? Is, what is it? And I'm not diminishing hard things. I'm not diminishing that maybe horrible things have happened, but would we as followers of Jesus actively seek to make peace in the world? The next one that Jesus says is, this is kind of when he brings it to a close. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. The following Jesus is kind of like a polarizing thing in the world now. 
But it's not just now, it's always been. And I think in our day and age that we find ourselves in, it's like, this is our slice of history. But if you wanna be comforted, read some church history. If you wanna see the gospel, the kingdom of God advance throughout generations, read some church history. See the horrific persecution they faced for being followers of Jesus. See how much the enemy tried to squish the work of the church, but just through that squishing, they spread like wildfire around the world and people will come into relationships with Jesus. And Jesus is saying to his crew, like, hey, at the, work, at the beginning of his ministry, saying, hey, I need you to understand, following me will bring persecution. Seeking righteousness is going to be tough. It's not just going to a cool building with kind of hipster lights and it's like, cool, this is cool to go to. Get a rally shirt and it's nice. Following Jesus is not like a brand to associate with. He's a person to know. But with that, it's not always going to be easy, but you can do hard things. He's with you. You're trying to do the right thing and you're doing it in Jesus' name. You're not doing it in your own power. You're not doing it in the name of Talon Hawthorne or Derek Banks or your pastor at your campus. You are doing it in the name of Jesus. So start crying out to Jesus. Say, Jesus, help me. I wanna be more like you. Come, help me in this. Would that be the kind of people that we are? And the last one is this. Blessed are you when others revel you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. I love this. Listen to this. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. Hear it. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is how Eugene Peterson writes it. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. When it means that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give cheer. For they don't like it. And heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company, my friends. My prophets and witnesses, and they themselves have gotten into some trouble. And I just love to understand that we are, have the great cloud of witnesses cheering us on in this moment in history that we find ourselves in. You're associated with Jesus, so tension is coming your way. The world may hate you, but we don't drive out hate with hate with love. Those are not my words. And that's why I pray for us as a community in these statements of the kingdom of God, would they go deep in our soul? You can memorize the Sermon on the Mount. Watch less Netflix, read the Sermon on the Mount every single day, quote it out loud and it will go deep in you. My boss, David Hall, who preached at Rally a while back, he made me and my teams memorize the Sermon on the Mount. Could I recite it word for you right now? Probably not, 
but it's buried deep within me that I could kind of get for you pretty closely what's in there. And that's not a flex. That's just me saying, you can bury the Word of God in your heart. You can bury Jesus' teachings in your heart and let it inform the way that you live. And it's hard because it makes you challenge the way in which you live and say, I need to grow in this. C.S. Lewis says this as I bring our time to a close. As caring for the Sermon of the Mount, if caring for here means liking or enjoying, I suppose no one cares for it. Who can like being knocked flat on his face by a sledgehammer? I can hardly imagine a more deadly spiritual condition than that of a man who can read the passage with tranquil pleasure. When we read the Sermon of the Mount, it clearly challenges us to say, man, I have to grow in this. But Jesus' invitation is on the table for every single one of us to keep following Him. Hear His teachings and follow His teachings. And I was praying for this moment as we bring our time to a close. And we are in an important time of the world that we find ourselves in. I don't want you to feel like it's hopeless. We are very clearly hope-filled as followers of Jesus. But I just feel to, to kind of speak to the heart of young adults across South Carolina for a moment. God sees you. Just like speaking to a crew on a mountain, He's speaking to you tonight. You don't just have to have a summer like you've had a summer before. I believe that this can be marked by intimacy and presence with God. That you can be a part of building a church for the future for your children. Not just something that you go to, but we can build something together. You can be a part of something that you look back on your life and say, man, I use my 20s for the glory of God. What story are you writing with your life right now? Are you writing a story saying, Jesus, I am following you. And that's our heart for you. We don't want you to just come to a nice gathering like this, but we want you to have an everyday intimate relationship with Jesus that sees the world transformed. And when you look at the Beatitudes, that stained glass window, you see Jesus. Jesus who grew up in poor circumstances. Jesus who would go on to mourn and the one who would walk in meekness, the one who would thirst and hunger for righteousness, the one who was pure in heart, the one who was a peacemaker, the one who would go through much persecution. This is Jesus. And He's invited you into this lifestyle. So you would look through that lens forever and say, man, the world might be crazy right now, but I'm becoming more like Jesus. And that is our heart for you. It's not to have some slick, cool program that you're a part of, my prayer and our heart as pastors for you is that you would know Jesus, be filled with the Holy Spirit and see the world transform around you. So wherever God has positioned you on assignment right now, the job that you work, the city you find yourself in, the college, you can get excited because you're joining the mission of God of bringing His kingdom to earth right here, right now. So would you stand with me? We are now about to respond through worship, I just want you to close your eyes and bow your head. And I just wanna ask tonight, across the state of South Carolina, I believe there will be people who don't know Jesus. And if that's you tonight and you're saying, man, I'm hearing these teachings of Jesus and I wanna get to know Him. 
My friends, Jesus demonstrated his love for you upon a cross. He lived the perfect life. He took the brokenness of humanity upon himself. He defeated death and is alive. His spirit is his work and he wants a relationship with you. Nothing you could do could change his love. Nothing you could do can earn his love. He wants a relationship with you. If you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you can spend eternity with him, but know him today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna point you out, but I am gonna ask on the count of three that you'll raise your hand high in the skies and act of faith saying, Josh, that's me. There are pastors in your room who will see and we wanna just partner with you in this journey of following Jesus. So if that's you across the state of South Carolina, on, on the count of three, would you raise your hand saying, I want a relationship with Jesus. One, two, three. It's awesome. Give it a moment longer. Is there anyone else across the state? It's great. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you for every single person across the state of South Carolina who is either reaching out and saying they want a relationship with you, Jesus. I pray right now that would be filled with your Holy Spirit. Would they feel your love so closely? Would they understand that forever they get to enjoy you and know you now, that they are called your sons and daughters. We thank you, God, for all that you're doing across the state. And God, in this moment, I just feel to pray for Rally. God, I thank you that the future is now. That's a declaration we felt from you, that this group of people are shaping the future. God, so whatever it is in this next moment, would you speak to us? We wanna respond to you, God. Whatever beatitude it might be that you wanna speak to us, would you do that? Give us the boldness to act and respond. We wanna see South Carolina look like heaven. We wanna stand in the gap for a generation. So God, we trust you and I bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen.